This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app of participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Good evening, you are listening to Love Sport Radio. Me, Matt Beadle, with you through to 11pm this evening. It is time to commence our Friday night fan show special. And what better way to start it than with the boys from the Chelsea Fancast. The boy from the Chelsea Fancast, Jonathan Kidd, joins oh, me in the studio. Hello. Great to be here, Matt. I've been called a boy for some time. <laughs> wow. Great to be on here, everybody. Thanks. Is Chidge going to be on? I believe we are also. I believe we're joined by Uncle Chidge uh, via the airwaves. Hello, Stanford Chidge. Well, I don't know, Matt. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to call, uh, say, there's only a boy on the show. Does that make me a lady? In uh, full David Walliams <laughs> voice. How are you all? Nice to speak to you. Chidge, you dress up nice as a girl. I know. I've got the legs for it, J.K. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> what a start to the show! I tell you what, I like these voices. You should make this a re- we should make this a regular thing on the Chelsea Fan Show. Can, can, can we get that bloke? Can get that bloke who's got no teeth? <laughs> Get the bloke who says who likes the ball kicked up the pitch. That's more like it, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plenty coming up over the course of the next hour. We are going to be reflecting on that two-two draw with Leicester last week. Many a talking point there, of course. Willie Caballero becoming the oldest player in the Premier League so far this season. He replaced Kepa Aritha Balaga. Balaga. Aritha, well said. <laughs> Uh, of course, he came in. Kepper was dropped. That is a huge talking point we're going to be talking about. No transfers, of course, coming in. William, we're going to be discussing him. The winter break, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Will it give the boys a bit of uh, time off? Well, of course it will, but will it be a good thing for the lads? Of course, those four home games coming up. United, Bayern Munich, Liverpool and Spurs. So plenty up on the horizon for Chelsea. Yeah, loads to talk about, kiddo. A mass, a mass, a mass to talk about. <laughs> a mass of topics. A, a mass. If you want to join in the debate, of course, as well, 0208 758. You can WhatsApp us on that number or tweet us at Love Sport Radio. But, gents, I suppose <coughs> we must start with last weekend's game, a 100th appearance, I believe, for Antonio Rudiger, kiddo. And Who, of course, scored responded twice. responded in kind with a brace. Like a salmon he was at the far post. First one straight down in front of him into the goal, Bosch Michael. The next one, a towering header from, a, um, uh, what was it, a, a free kick, I think, from Mount, the second one. Um, who had also been fouled, so it was rather nice he delivered it. But oh, thank goodness they finally actually managed to, to get the ball across to somebody to head it. I think it must be the first time this season from a set piece. Mm. And uh, oh, other, other than that, it was... Because um, every other time, it was the, the, well, the week before 20 corners, nothing happened. They, to be fair to them, they've been clearly practising because they've tried every combination of, uh, of corner. I mean, they keep attacking wonderfully, but they, in the final third, they're just absolutely appalling, absolutely useless. So thank goodness Rudiger scored those two goals. Otherwise, uh, Leicester would have won, obviously. Well, these are quite strong. So absolutely appalling in the final third? 
Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, yeah, don't you think so? If you have how many, aren't they second to uh, City at the moment with the number of chances they've created? Sorry, to Liverpool, and the number of chances they create. They just can't put the ball away. Yeah, I mean, the, the ways that against Leicester they managed to avoid scoring were just, it became a kind of a, 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 a litany of idiocy. You know, like like Adoy, a very good move, and Adoy manages to, to, uh, to fall over while hitting the ball. So it goes, you know, 20 yards over the bar. Abraham twice falls over. Mount gets his legs um, one you know tangled up one side to the other and the ball just gets you know goes over the bar again I mean they they just don't seem to get it I just I don't understand what happens in training I don't understand how this lack of focus occurs to them when they're in the penalty area they just don't or they shoot and somebody's upon them or they dither or they 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 dally on the ball it's just oh, well you know what's the answer <coughs> Gigi come on I was clearing my throat because I genuinely had a, a frog in it, but uh, I could have been sending a message, couldn't I? Um, I've got to be honest, JK, we, th- we had this out on Monday, but I do, I do think you're overreacting somewhat. Because <gasps> Ooh, I like as, I, as I said at the time, I mean, they are creating, I think they're second in the league for creating chances and they're second in yes. the league for missing big chances. But, you know, when you look at the goals scored versus the goals leaked, Chelsea are fourth in goals scored in the league and they're ninth in goals uh, conceded. So really for me the bigger problem is at the back. I mean, I would rather they were I would rather they were scoring all the chances they created. Obviously, who wouldn't? But it's not like they're not scoring goals and it's not like they're they're obviously creating chances. They will improve. I thought I don't know if you saw this Matt, but I thought it was fascinating to watch Gary Lineker, Ian Wright and Alan Shearer talking about Tammy Abraham on match of the day after mm. the Leicester match. You know, three of the best strikers that have played in the Premier League. And they were all in, effusive in praise for him and saying, yes, there are things he needs to improve in his game, but he will because he's young and he is learning and he will get better. Frankly, I don't think the problem that Chelsea have got is this missing of chances. I think it's the trouble is that we leak goals. And of course, that's what happened against Leicester. But Chich, why was it so good early on in the season? This is what I don't understand. Why are they not pressing as much? Why are they not passing the ball as quickly as they did when they were winning the games? When they were winning games, scoring four goals, when the ball just was like a magnet into the net. What has happened? What is the difference? Well, I mean, they're human beings, JK. I think that's what happens. But also, they're, they're playing against you know teams that will work them out slightly they may also be a bit mentally and physically tired because the pressing game is is something that's quite different from this season so that may have taken its toll uh Jorginho may have uh, kind of you know reverted back to his 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 type of last season which was to slow the game down and and, and ping it you know five us who not look mate I, you know I, I talk a good game but i ain't got no uefa a badges so no but i just want to view from ask, you but, you know, but yes because i don't be agree with any of that of Chich, but that's good to know but it? hey fellas this is a fan show we like debate i mean you disagreeing is a good thing i think it makes for better entertainment I mean, but surely mentally and physically i mean oh, you know they're top athletes athletes they're top sportsmen they're not going to all fall apart yeah, just because they're playing a jonathan, football you, season jonathan you say that but half the team uh are youngsters who have not played at this level before and we all know that playing in the premier league it's a much quicker game it's a much more you know it's it's, it's harder in the premier league they've not ever played this many games in the premier league so it will have an effect doesn't matter how fit they are it has an effect on them but i actually you know as, as matt knows because i've said this to him many many times I also think that you've got to take into account the mental fatigue. They will not have played at this pressure because they haven't played at this level either. And I think that also takes a toll. But Chich, how does that take a toll when they fall over in the penalty area, when they misplace a pass, when they take three three touches when one was efficient, was sufficient to actually score? How is that a... Uh, a mental and physical thing. I, I don't get that. I don't. Surely that should almost be routine. That should be almost muscle memory. That should just be well, I, the ball I mean, goes to the penalty area and they shoot. And, you know, when it was all of know, them. You know, it was everybody. Everybody making those who mistakes. Else, who else fell over in front? Adoy, of Adoy fell over in front of goal. So did Mount. Abraham fell over twice. You know, you I just don't get know. I don't know is the answer to that. You know, maybe somebody you know did one of those classic platoon shots from the stands or something. <laughs> well, I, don't know. I really don't know. I mean, sometimes no, I know happens. absolutely. You know, yeah. this, no, I know, but the it's thing a... about football, Jonathan. You know, I mean, this is remarkable because as, as 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 you know, even people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon, Amazon rainforest. rainforest know Jonathan is considerably <laughs> older than me, and yet for his, one of his charms is that occasionally he can sound like some 
you know, teenager playing FIFA. They're not robots. They're human beings. They will make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, and they're no exception. I just think, you know, weirdly and coincidentally, they make quite a lot of them, you know, two yards out from goal falling over. But, but, but they do. But honestly, they're doing this every know. week, I really don't know the answer. They're doing it every week. I just occasionally find, what, what are they doing in training? Why do they Why do they, they get the ball beautifully into the penalty area? I have to say this appears to be a problem with most of the uh, the teams in the Premier League at the moment, they can't put the ball away. I mean, I, I do find it weird that, Liverpool, for example, yeah. uh, other than Liverpool, um, um, weird that, that um, Rhys James, who had a fantastic game against Leicester, was absolutely phenomenal, um, who whips these Beckham-like crosses in. Surely they practice this. They know that he gets the ball and he's going to whip the ball in. You run to the near post. You don't stand on the far post looking at the ball, allowing the centre-half, opposing centre-half to come and nip the ball away. You anticipate it it's just I just don't get that aspect and that was what was pointed out by by Shearer he should have anticipated James of course he should all the time Tammy Abraham he should be absolutely on the ball for for James who that's what he does he whips these curling crosses in you say this and 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 you know it's hard to disagree with what you're saying because you know on, on one level those are the facts before us but the other thing is this is professional elite sport pressure Right. And the speed of these games takes a toll on these teams mentally. If you remember um, the uh, 2003 Rugby World Cup when Sir Clive Woodward was the coach, he had this uh, this thing that he used to call teacup, which had nothing to do, do with Earl Grey or PG tips. It was uh, an acronym for thinking clearly under pressure. And, and that he felt was was a key marginal difference. Uh, you know, that would get you over the line. If he could get his teams in a place where mentally they knew how to think clearly when they were under extreme pressure, they would get over the line more times than not. And that takes a lot of coaching, a lot of skill, a lot of training. And, and you know, it's a bit like if you take it back into the real world, you know, when, when you train repetitively and hard for a lot of things, they become second nature. That's kind of what he's talking about. So no matter what pressure you get under, you just do it automatically. And, you know, it takes time. You know, we've, we've, we've been, what, six months, a little bit more into, into a season, new methods, new players coming in. It's going to take time. But, you know, they'll get there. I mean, for me, a 2-2 draw away at Leicester, that's no disgrace. They're higher than us in the table. They're a good side with a good coach. I thought it was a good point. I'm thoroughly enjoying this debate, actually, chaps. And Chich, I just want to very quickly come back to something you said a minute ago, and you said everybody makes mistakes. Now, I'm not apart oppo- from me, obviously. <laughs> I'm not opposing that point of view, but in football, because I heard this in a different fan show last week. I can't remember which one it was, but one of the fans said, "Oh, you know, everybody makes mistakes." I think it was a a player that had missed an open goal or something and so forth. Is that something that we can use in football? Everybody makes mistakes. Well, I mean. <clears throat> it's just basically if, if you deny that you're you're effectively denying human existence so it's, it's it's like the equivalent of putting your head in the sand or your fingers in your ears as a two-year-old going no i'm not listening i'm not listening you know human beings are flawed they make mistakes if you want to if you i'll I tell you what matt let's just do away with professional sport played live with human beings and let's just all play it on xbox and the world will be a much better place <laughs> Yeah, but Chid, you can always say everybody makes mistakes, but what you want is for your team not to make mistakes. And no, I just want my team to win and put in 100%. In, indeed, indeed, but at the same... I don't care how they do it. It can come off their rear end every every goal. The as far dilemma as is the more mistakes they make, the more ch- likely they're going to lose the game. So indeed. is it the person who makes the less mistakes then? Who beca- well, no, who becomes what has, the winner? What, the outcome is decided by the, the, the team who scores more goals than the other. So, you know, if the other team makes more mistakes than you, you're probably going to win. Although not always, as we know, because that's sport. We have powered into the Chelsea fan show here on Love Sport. We haven't even got to keep a Kepper. He's coming who? up next. <laughs> For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. It's the Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with the boys from the Chelsea Fancast. Jonathan Kidd. Kiddo. And Stanford Chidge is on the line too. Hello, Chidgey. Good evening, all. Right, gents, we are going to move on, continue the debate, of course, from the Leicester game because this is a thoroughly enjoyable debate thus far. And 
On to the news that Kepper was, of course, dropped. Record-breaking goalkeeper Kepper dropped for 38-year-old Willie Caballero last week in that game. We're going to get on to your thoughts and feelings on this in a moment, chaps. But Richard Lee here of Love Sport was speaking on the situation on the Goalkeepers Union podcast earlier this week. Massive. Absolutely massive call. Reason being, of course, the valuation and, and certainly the amount of money they bought him for, the age that he's at, to then put someone like Willie Caballero in. From a business point of view, now look, how much Chelsea care about this, how much the owners care about this, it's hard to know. And how much they knew about this, it'd be interesting as well. Because essentially, by doing what they've done, it is quite a big sign that he's not necessarily overly happy with Kepa. But also from a valuation standpoint, bearing in mind how much they brought him in for, what does that now do to his value, to his worth? And from a business point of view, I go back to it. And how often do we see this? And I know a lot of goalkeepers, professional goalkeepers listen to this, will certainly be able to align with this and understand this where it's not always necessarily the best player that plays sometimes it can be the younger player or the player that's got more market value that might be given the nod so for instance if you've got an asset at a club and a a club knows it then they might get the nod over someone who's a little bit more experienced who might be that little bit better knowing that they've got an asset that's growing and someone that's worth a lot of money to the club there have been arguments you know when David De Gea has been having a really really rough time they've always stuck by him and and they tend to do that certainly with goalkeepers in particular so this one did it absolutely shocked me when I saw that they dropped him I wondered whether they might based on the fact that all of a sudden it gained a bit of traction, the stat being that he had like one of the worst records, save percentage-wise, mm. in Europe. So I did wonder whether that might play a little bit of a part. And some of the interviews I've seen Frank Lampard given, reading between the lines, you could tell that he wasn't 100%. That being said, because of how expensive he was, not for one second did I see this happening. That was Richard Lee there speaking on the Goalkeepers Union podcast. Now, gents... That conversation went on to discuss about the fact that Kepa might significantly drop in value. Now, I know that he was a commodity bought in by Marina, right? So this was quite a big deal. And he came in for a record fee at the time. Kiddo, first, your thoughts on the fact that Kepa was dropped for the game? Well, first of all, he may be back in the next game, which then makes all of this just completely hot air and uh, and, um, just something to debate that has no significance. But... Um, uh, at the risk of being um, uh, um, an old broken record, I, in fact, pointed this out two months ago that the uh, hierarchy weren't happy with him. And I'm bemused as to why it's taken them so long to actually drop Kepper. And I thought the, the, the theory we were told, the rumour we were told was that they were going to bring somebody in uh, during the transfer window to put pressure on him um, so that there would be another keeper, uh, a younger keeper than Caballero. But... To me, if he's playing who he thinks is the better keeper, then, you know, good on, good on him. Except, of course, what happened was this, the, the second goal was absolutely typical Caballero um, uh, that we've known whenever we've seen him play, um, which is uh, he did it for Argentina. Kind of rush of blood to the head, um, decides to pursue a ball that is going out possibly when he should have just stuck on the line. So he rushes back into the area, um, isn't really quite focused or fixed and... Opportunity comes for a shot, and he's he, he's not going to get it. And um, it was it was to to mention somebody that Chidge will uh, will no doubt remember is um, um, did you ever <laughs> see P- Peter Barota play Chidge? Did you ever see? Him? Was, yeah, was I he, did. You did. With, now, with he, mixed feelings. He regularly ran out of the penalty area to go for a ball, and would then the ball would then be lobbed back into the area, and somebody would score. And it was he was known as the clown. That was his name, and you 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 worry whether in fact uh, there is that aspect. I was intrigued to see that Clayton wrote um, uh, wrote uh, uh, about Caballero. I said, "What do you reckon to that?" The, to the second goal, then he wrote clueless on the Twitter. Really? Yeah, because he's not a great fan of Caballero. That's the problem. Is it's no good saying, "Well, Caballero's going to go in and he's a better keeper," because he's he's he, in certain areas he's 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 likely to give a goal away, and yet. The very first save he did to, from Vardy, I'm not convinced that uh, Kepper would have made that save. It was um, uh, it was it was typical of the game having been Chelsea running it for 20 minutes, and then suddenly um, he gets a he gets a shot at the end of the penalty area, Vardy, because that's what Vardy does, really on the ball, really um, snapshot, and 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 Kepper is and uh, and Caballero is there. So you think, well, those are his strengths, but. To what extent then does Kepa have strengths that Caballero doesn't have? I mean, he hasn't got the madness that uh, that Caballero's got. He hasn't got this 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 slight red mist that descends and decide he makes him decide to go and chase a ball that he's got no chance of getting, putting himself completely out of position. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, Chid, do you want to leap in here? Because otherwise I'm going to rabbit on for ages about it because I've got more That's to say. So. Incredibly magnanimous of you. I mean, I was listening to you, you know, intently because I thought you were, you know, just to prove that we don't always disagree. I thought you were absolutely bang on with all of that. I mean, Kepper, I, 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 look, bottom line, I don't care about the money. I mean, I can understand why Richard's going on about that because I know he works very closely with clubs. So I, I can see that it would be on his agenda. But number one, uh, they sold Courtois and bought Kepper. So the, you know, the net difference is about 36 million. So technically, they've they've only spent thirty six million on him. So, you know, if the value goes down, so be it. You can't, you cannot be, you know, as a manager, you cannot be selecting your eleven based on how much the players cost and what their potential drop in their asset value might be. That's lunacy. Um, frankly, look, if, if Frank doesn't think that that Kepa's right for his starting eleven, it's Frank's decision to not play him, and I fully fully support and back that that's what managers are paid to do but They're also paid Chichi's to make got, the he's got decisions. better check there with him as well hasn't he it's not as if he's going to keep his mouth shut he's one of the he's probably the best goalkeeper Chelsea have ever had and he's well, he's he's sitting there watching every game they're bound to be discussing this all the time aren't they well I've just I've just written uh you know my my it's beginning to get my life in sync Jonathan it's kind of frightening but uh <clears throat> I've penned a a CFC UK article today that thanks to uh, the club uh, backtracking on their cup ticket prices, I'm going to have to rewrite. But I've also written my weekly piece for Football London and it goes into this issue. You know, all of the media trying to stir up trouble like a hornet's nest about, you know, Frank sticking it to the board. Oh, Frank is the first manager we've had in, in my memory that is this close to the club. I mean, as you said, you know, Petr Cech has yeah. got an executive position in the yeah. club. So do they not think that Frank might actually just have a word with Pete? Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's like, like he hasn't talked to the club about this. But that's now, what I mean, he was you know, creating the, for, wasn't minute, he? he? was stuck in, in there old, In the old days, you know, Conte, Sarri, whoever, they all have a big entourage with whom they would sulk and plot and, and, and machinate about what they might do. This is not going to happen with Frank. He's He bleeds blue. He's part of that club. He knows everybody in that club from Roman really well downwards so i just don't see it as an issue if he doesn't think kepa's right he doesn't pick him simple but they will all have debated this chidge it, yeah but absolutely certain because of of petr Cech's role that's what he's there for there was a shot of of um was it four members of the board at the game uh at leicester check or three members of the board plus check he's there He's 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 the conduit. He's the yeah. he's he, it's the communication. That's what that's what the setup is like. So there's no there's no the board plus Frank making statements in the same way. What are they? Uh, were the rumours that they picked Pedro to have a go at the board. He doesn't having a go at the board. He decided he wanted to play Pedro. We all disagreed. He had a, he didn't have a very good game as per usual at the moment because he seems to be off the pace but it's not frank making a statement in any way which is frank picking a team yes yeah, exactly frank picking a team absolutely right and then no doubt they will have debated it he'll have said to petr Cech, i think we'll give him a go or were you absolutely certain that they all agreed they'd give willie a go and it was approved by everybody because that's that's the setup that's it's it's ridiculous to think otherwise Good points well made, gents. I think we'll move on from this. Relatively comprehensive, that one. And as you say, uh, kiddo, he could well be back in for the next game, at yeah. which point that renders this entire conversation yeah. obsolete. Yeah. But let's see. Let's, <laughs> let's see. see, indeed. We'll move on because you said it's not an issue, Chigi. Is there an issue with Willian? Of course, he was on the bench for the game with Leicester. There was a, a move to Barcelona, mooted, rumoured. That didn't materialise. Is that, again, just paper talk, or do you think there is a problem with Willian? To be really honest, Matt, I really don't know. But, I mean, you know, maybe William was tired and he needed a rest. I mean, when he plays, he doesn't half put in a shift. I mean, one of the good things about William as a winger is he tracks back and he works very, very hard to get the ball back, which not all wingers do. Uh, I'm talking to you, Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi. Uh, so, you know, maybe he just needed a rest. Now, look, on the other hand, if, if there is some veracity to what the papers were saying, that he was sulking because his move to Barca broke down, then, you know, frankly... <laughs> no pun intended, you know, Lampard knows exactly what player power can do to a manager in a dressing room because he was around Chelsea for long enough while that was going on. If you get any insubordination from a player as a manager, you've got to nip it in the bud immediately. And, you know, you've got to show him who's boss. Frank's the one whose neck's on the line. So no mucking around. If you're not going to take it from me, you can you can go on the bench, mate. Simple as. No problem but, with that. But I think it's an invention. I think it's two and two make I think five. you're probably right. I yeah. mean, every single transfer window we've had apart from the one when we weren't allowed to make any transfers um he's been he's been um, linked with a move to barcelona 
You think, well, who? If it's in, if I was finally on the last day, wasn't it? Barcelona have come in with a with a late move for Willian. You think, why are Barcelona obsessed with getting Willian into the side? I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, there are so many others. Why is it only Barcelona? If they were, if teams are aware that he's available, or you know, he's at the coming the end of his contract, why are there not more teams he's linked with? Why is it always Barcelona? And the fee was it was it a year and a half ago, a year ago, it was sixty million. It now went down. At least it went down to twenty million. You thought, well, it's making some progress, isn't it? There is a possibility that he might go, but that's just made up. That's another absolutely ridiculous made up. Um, uh, move linkage like the whole the whole 47 other players were that everybody well, was so intrigued well with. one of those is Jorginho as well now you mentioned Chigi as well that he's referred potentially back to the player that he was last season this is another one his agent Joao Santos has come out with the usual stuff we tend to hear potentially linking him with a move to reunite with Maurizio Sarri at Juventus do you think this is something that will interest Jorginho is there any truth in this one well, it goes against everything that he said earlier in the season. Exactly. You know, when he was when he was full of, oh, well, I'm going to fight for my place in the team. I like the the cut of Lampard's jib, so I'm going to give it a go. And let's be really honest, he was not my favourite player last year. Uh, I did see him somewhat as son of Sarri, but I think this year, you know, until fairly recently, he's been playing really, really well. He's shown some real cojones of some leadership qualities, and and he's done well. I think the bigger issue. Uh, is how on earth Lampard gets the midfield to work. Because I'm not convinced that he knows what his best midfield is. I'm not convinced that he knows what his best system is. You know, And the trouble that Chelsea have at the moment with so many players is that they all have their own strengths, but they all have their own weaknesses. There are very few of them that are kind of the finished article or perfect, you know, that, that have got it all. It's a real conundrum. Um, you know, look, the reality is, Matt, these players, they'll they'll either stay or they'll go because they do have a modicum of power these days because of the agents and the way that football's run. So if, if Jorginho does one out, he'll go. But if he wants to stay, then why not? He's a decent player. You know, give him a give him a break. Give him a chance. I didn't even know this story existed. Is this the case? Does he want to go? Well, his agent, and this is a classic story that really winds you up, kiddo. His agent was asked about Juventus <laughs> in the summer and he came out with a classic line of, why not? Oh, goodness me. Oh, okay. wow. Then that's Excuse me, though. Deal, then, why not Conte? You know, why not um, Kovacic? Well, Kovacic, no, because he's only just signed. and he's, he's, mm-hmm. uh, But I think at the moment, for me, Kovacic is, uh, is the best midfielder from a passing point of view and just generally from a, um, an ability to get the ball into the box, which is now a quest- question mark over Jorginho for me. With his, his, um, he, he doesn't appear to be playing as well as he was earlier in the season. That doesn't mean he's going to leave. Surely not. But I, I agree with you completely, Chich. We've no idea what, his, uh, what, what the best midfield is. Because um, um, uh, I suppose Pulisic not being involved has made it slightly easier to pick a consistent side with having Mount in it. But um, Mount is still being bullied on Twitter as being some kind of incompetent when, uh, um, to me, he played very well against Leicester and was... uh, was everywhere to be seen other than his taking an extra touch and falling over, which, uh, once again, I'll keep going on about. I am completely bewildered about, but um, never mind. Okay, gents. Well, we are at half time. Just before we move on, all things considered, a 2 2 draw at Leicester. Like we say, Rudiger with a brace. Fourth spot still, a nice little four point buffer over Spurs in fifth. Can we be content? Can we be happy with a point at the King Power? Kiddo? Uh, I'm not happy about it because they should have won. You, you don't seem to be happy, mate. No, no. I'm not generally. No, <laughs> no, I'm not happy with them. I don't, I, I'm, I don't think they're playing to their full potential. I, I will keep referring back to the how they played earlier on in the season. They're just not pressing or passing the ball as well. Except they did for the first 20 minutes again and they were completely all over Leicester. And once again, they have to score. I don't, I, they cannot just weave pretty patterns around everybody and then muck it up which appears to be happening and I, I, it's, I'm bewildered by it completely Honest, so, honestly Matt you know. you know Jonathan's like the kind of, a, a, of the son of Marvin the paranoid android and Eeyore he's never happy On a point away at Leicester is a good point trust me I'm happy. I felt it was a Leicester that weren't playing as well and I think I'm afraid will drop points for the rest of the season yeah well you don't know yet i mean no right indeed now, we don't but i'm allowed to predict aren't i chidge i'm allowed to have a go and, and and for our younger listeners sorry what was that reference chidge who's he the Marvin son of the paranoid android from the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and eeyore and if a kid doesn't know who eeyore is then i give up sure sorry it was the crossover that i wasn't entirely 
Well, if sure. they'd had a child, it would have been Jonathan. Right, OK, got you. Fine. Thank you. This is <laughs> the Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Sport. Next up, we're going to be looking at the winter break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. It's the Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, joined by the son of Marvin the Paranoid Android from Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy and Eeyore, I think it was, Jonathan Kidd. We're also joined by Kiddo. Um, well, I think Chidge is abusing me so much tonight. I think I'm going to call I'm him I'm going to call him the love child of Sigmund Freud, Bertrand Russell and Dave D, the lead singer of Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch, singing Zabadak. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether to be flattered, honoured or, or, or insulted, so I should be a combination of all three. But, you know, half robot, half donkey. I mean, you know, think about it. There we go. I mean, I'm completely lost with all of this, but hey, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, gents, let's talk about the you win. sing Zabadak, though. Zabadak. Don't you remember that one, Chidge? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's weirder oh, every week, me. this show, I tell you. Uh, nothing to do with Zabadak, but United, uh, Chelsea, of course, are playing Manchester United. That is next Monday, not the Monday coming, because we are in the midst of a winter break. Now, kiddo, a yes. Premier League winter break. There's been all kinds of controversy about this because of Jurgen Klopp and the FA Cup, etc., etc., etc. But your thoughts on this. Are you happy that the boys are getting a break do you think that it sometimes affects momentum? Yes, it affects momentum. Yes, it's a complete waste of time. Uh, I'm bored. I've got nothing to do on Saturday. Well, I'm not. I've got lots of things to do. I take my daughter out and uh, um, and go to the gym and do a variety of lovely things and, and look at the crocuses in Brook Green. But um, uh, I'd also like to be, be watching my team somewhere. And uh, I just don't get it. I didn't even know it was taking place because I tuned in I was and discovered, oh, they're not playing at the weekend. Oh, because it's the winter break. Hang on, winter break should surely be around about November or December. Wouldn't that be better as a winter break rather than February? We're almost towards the end of the season. Why have they chosen these two weeks? Was it because... Excuse me, it was about before the Champions League was about to start and so they could just throw a few FA Cup game replays into the middle of it and really not make it a winter break. Is that what they wanted to have it with the winter break? They were thinking, oh, I know what we'll do, the FA. Yeah, it doesn't matter about the FA Cup because that has diminished in our attitude, in our view. Our view of the FA Cup is not an important competition anymore and, of course, in my view, it's the best competition, one of the best that there is and Absolutely. should be in the same way in tandem with the with the, the Premier League. But is that, that that's the impression I've got with it. They're going to have a couple of replays, and yet, so people aren't getting the winter break, or is it really a winter break? I'm bemused and confused, and uh, I think it's um, uh, you either have well, you have it earlier on in the season if you're going to have it at all, or you have it over Christmas, like every other European country does uh, with their football. What do you mm. make of this, Chidge? 
Uh, well, I love it when Jonathan comes on a long run. I think I think Jonathan was almost that was almost as long a run as the young whippersnapper bowler in his Lord's Net. You nearly broke your hand, Jonathan. Yes, so well done. Did. But uh, I, I agree with him. I, I think I, I, I look. I, I think the winter break is a great thing, and I'm thoroughly thoroughly in favour of it. But I think that the timing of it is is highly suspicious along the lines that Jonathan suggested with the you know the FA Cup as always having taken a back seat. Champions League taking precedent, and, and I've always been in favour of having it at half at halfway through the season, which of course would be around the time of the Christmas fixtures. Uh, I think that given the the transport problems that a lot of supporters have during the Christmas fixtures, I think the whole culture of football has changed somewhat. You know, because we used to play matches on Christmas Day, but it's just it's really difficult, and you know, family time is important. So why not have it then? That would be natural but I'm, I'm delighted we've got one because I think it will actually I'd be interested to hear what Jonathan says about this but I think it it's come at the right time for Chelsea because as I said I think there's been a bit of mental and physical fatigue and it'll also give some of the players a chance to get fit like Pulisic and uh, Tammy Abraham who we need to get back out there because we've been missing Pulisic and of course Tammy is vital to us and we don't really have any backup I don't think they're sure whether he's um, he's fit or not, are they? They've said it's an option to get him fit for the in the two weeks, Pulisic. But um, I got the impression they weren't quite sure what injury he'd got, according to Frank mm. in one of the, the pressers. Um, wasn't there a period where where um, English football used to be both Christmas Day and Boxing Day? Yep. And uh, yep. Uh, somehow that professional players were exempt from enjoying anything over the Christmas period. They just had to be fit and available to play mm. those both. But in, in some instances, trying to get trains on Christmas Day to go and play miles away was practically impossible. Um, yeah. But um, uh, it, Well, yeah. in, in terms of minutes played as well, I know that an article, an article came out from football.london. Chidge, you are a columnist for these guys, so you write for them quite a fair bit. And... Cesar Azpilicueta is ninth in the list of players who have played the most amount of minutes in League and Cup in terms of top flight players. A list, by the way, that is dominated by Wolves and Liverpool. It's quite extraordinary when you consider Wolves are in the top three for that. Conor Cody, Joao Martinho uh, and Leon Den- Leander Dendonka, sorry, in the top four. You've got Virgil van Dijk just sandwiching between them. But Azpilicueta has played nearly 3,000 minutes of football. Jorginho is next with about 2,500. Funnily enough, it's then Kurt Zuma with the same number of minutes, just slightly less than Jorginho. But is there a concern that with the Champions League commitments as well, and the further you get in the Carabao Cup, the further that you get in the FA Cup, and then you have the Premier League as well, that actually footballers are playing too many minutes? Well, I, I think there's, I think there's too much football, period. I really do. And I mean, you know, I think it was really interesting that the, the Premier League... Uh, you know, kind of insisted that if we were going to have a winter break, that clubs weren't allowed to go and arrange some stupid friendly in the States or Australia or the Middle East, which is, of course, the first thing that they would have tried to do to, you know, to to screw some more money out of the game. Um, So at least we should be thankful for that. I mean, I, I, I do think that there's too much football. I think that the pace of the game is quicker than it used to be, although, I've, I, you know, I've got plenty of ex-players who will tell you different. Uh, but I, I go back to the point I made earlier on in the show. You know, I think some of these young guys will not have been used to playing at this level in the Premier League with a club that's in fourth in the Premier League. And the mental and physical fatigue and the pressure they're in, you know, is going to tire them out. So plus the fact, as I said, you know, we've got, a, as Jonathan's saying, you know, we Frank wants us to play this pressing game. And Jonathan's noticed that we're pressing less than we were. But Maybe this is a reason. What I don't understand, though, is when, when Klopp was involved with Liverpool at the, the very beginning when he first came in, um, they would press madly for uh, for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, Liverpool. And then he would deliberately um, take them back. So they'd, they'd play two banks of five. Um, because they were recovering. So it was something that they they weren't really terribly consistent with. But at least he admitted that. Whereas uh, Frank doesn't appear to be um, able to deal with the other team uh, coming back at them after 20 minutes. And I, I'm, I'm, that's once again, I'm bemused. So, well, uh, I think, I think you, you make a really good point there, JK. And, and I mean, Liverpool, you know, ran out of steam quite a lot, didn't they? They in the did. Early days they did. Clock. Spurs did the same with Pochettino. Uh, you know, they would always fall at the last. We used to call it St. Totteringham's Day, but of course, a lot of it was down to perhaps the fact they were they were they were exhausted by the end of the season. It's really interesting because Mourinho was brilliant at this as well. I mean, he used to have this uh, strategy where you know Chelsea would just keep the ball, you know, and that's when they could have a break and that's when they could quieten down a bit. So you know, there are all sorts of ways I think that you can 
uh, you know, save people's legs during a game. I mean, it's game management, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. And this is something that we've, we've talked a lot about with Chelsea recently because they don't seem to have good game management. And again, good game management comes from experience. You know, young players who are learning the game are going to be less good at managing a game uh, as older experienced pros. I suppose as well, gents, we can look at this as a chance to get certain players fit. Of course, Christian Pulisicki, as you call him, kiddo, and Tammy Abraham, of course, <laughs> coming back to fitness too. Loftus-Cheek, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. The, the stories continue with him and how long his return to fitness might be. I don't think that we should uh, we should big him up, actually, because it, it won't be fair on him if he does come back. And um, It's always a concern, and, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and he's not up to it or just off the pace, which is an immense likelihood. Um, and I think he's being pushed back into the limelight too soon. Um, I mean, Frank will know what to do with him. I think Frank is unlikely to give him... He might give him 10 minutes in a game, but I don't think that initially. But he, I think all he's done is played 60 minutes so far, hasn't he, in the development squad. He's going to have to play a lot more than that. I think we're still a month to six weeks off for Loftus-Cheek, but uh, um, the Twitterati would have that he's uh, he's going to be playing next week. That's not going to happen. No. It absolutely is not. Well, gents, there is a tough month coming up, of course, over the course of, what, 12 days. There's four games to be played as Chelsea return from the winter break. We're going to be discussing that. We're going to be talking about those UEFA comments as well about the Ajax match next. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. It's the Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, joined by the guys from the Chelsea Fancast, Jonathan Kidd Kido. and Stamford Chidge. We're here for another 13 or 14 minutes. We're going to get on to the four games in a 12-day period. We're going to talk about the next four home games, of course. Man United, Spurs, Bayern Munich and Liverpool. But first, gents, we're going to touch on the Champions League because Bayern Munich come to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday the 25th of February and there's a bit of a an added layer with this we know that Ajax have come out and said that it's pointless them complaining to UEFA about the refereeing mistakes in that game with Chelsea early on in the season the thrilling 4-4 of course and Chigi uh, sorry kiddo you've got some feelings about what UEFA are saying about this too well UEFA are saying that um, Blind should have been uh, the game should have been stopped and Blind sent off after his second yellow card and therefore Adoy shouldn't have been then allowed to, to take a shot which hit the Ajax player on the hand and he was then the penalty was given and he was uh, sent off for handball for preventing the ball from going into the goal which was which is the correct decision but they've said that um, uh, as I say he should have uh, stopped play and sent Blind off um, whereas uh, I don't actually get it. I don't understand. He played on knowing that that a, a goal could possibly have been scored from the outcome, and um, uh, and it hit him, hit the 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 Ajax player on the arm, and uh, and and he prevented the a goal. So it was a penalty. So he's sent off as well. So I don't actually understand what they're complaining about. I don't why know why that was bad refereeing. He played an advantage. He went back and booked Blind, who'd already been on a yellow card, so he gets sent off. And he gave a penalty, which was fair enough, because he played on, and it hit the Ajax player on the hand, uh, and it was going in the net, and therefore he sent him off. So why is that a problem? What are they saying? Where is the law anywhere that says that he should have stopped play uh, to send Blind off. He he gave an advantage and it just so happened that because he gave the advantage, which was the correct decision, that the penalty was given and he then had to make another decision. That's absolutely the law. So I really don't get what this is about and it seems to be just having a go at Chelsea for no apparent reason whatsoever. Gigi? Uh, well, absolutely. I, I mean, this is what worries me, you know, I mean, apart from anything else, Matt, they had VAR in that game. So, you know, they're yes. already re-refereeing yes. it. And I, it's far bit for me to say that UEFA referee was good, but I thought he was excellent on the night. I really do. And I have no argument with any of the decisions therein. And I think what most Chelsea fans are, are getting quite wobbly about is, is UEFA pitching in because, of course, Chelsea have a long history with UEFA. Uh, I mean, you know, this is the this is the uh, organisation that sanctioned the club, I think, for uh, and, and called uh, Mourinho the enemy of football because of 
matters arising from a Barcelona game or, or UEFA Lona as we like to call them. Uh, and then there and then there was um, Overbro in the, another match against Barcelona, which is without doubt the worst refereeing performance I have seen in watching the game for over 40 years. So, you know, when UEFA start coming out with comments like this before a big European match against Bayern Munich, one of one of UEFA's favoured teams, you can understand why we're feeling a bit worried. And you know, it, because in, in the, the good old kind of Alex Ferguson era, when he used to get told off for putting pressure on referees, this is nothing less than that, is it? I would agree with you entirely there, Chigi, to be fair. And... The game itself, because let's move on to more important matters, I suppose, now. The game itself, Bayern Munich, we saw them annihilate Spurs earlier on in the campaign. A tough proposition, of course, evokes memories of 2012. Of course, it does every time Chelsea face Bayern Munich. But leading into this one, what are your thoughts on the Champions League as a whole and the the weighing it up with finishing in the top four as well, Chidge? I think it's going to be a really, really tough match. I mean, Bayern Munich have got some excellent players. I mean, the one thing that gives me some hope is that they've had a few managerial changes recently. So, you know, maybe they're not quite at their best, but they're going to be a really tough proposition. I I mean, we've got a chance. Why not? But, you know, we all know that over two legs, uh, it's really hard to beat the very, very good teams. What I sincerely hope is that whatever we do, we do much better than Spurs did because I couldn't bear doing worse than them. But we'll have to go some to to, to avoid, you know, to, to do as badly as Spurs did, losing seven two at home, won't we? <laughs> yeah. And of course, the song has uh, originated from that, haven't? Tottenham got bad seven two at home, which is regularly sung by the away fans in particular. Um, before, well, before those as well, kiddo, two massive games in the Premier League as well, both at home. First Manchester United on that Monday evening, 17th of Feb, and then the following Saturday, it is Spurs at Stamford Bridge as well. This is ultimately two top four contests. Yes, yes, they're very, very important. And uh, I mean, the advantage is, of course, is that neither side will play two banks of five. Um, and Chelsea seem to play a lot better against teams that come out and play football with them rather than defending and getting them on the break. Um, so uh, I think there'll be positive results as a consequence, or at least they won't lose. I don't think they'll lose to either side. Whether they win is another thing. Um, I think uh, Spurs is the is the side to beat at the moment because United. I think we could, you could, you could cope with. Um, you know, I don't like losing, but they're they're further behind than Spurs. I just Spurs have a kind of there's an ominous aspect to Spurs, which makes me think they might win a trophy, they might win the FA Cup. Spurs just because Mourinho has a kind of doggedness. Um, but yeah, no, I I I think we'll do. Um, I don't think we'll lose to either. Actually, personally, what do you think, Chidge? Well, if if they fall over, you know, a yard away from the box, we might. But uh, yes, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that I'm hoping that they won't do that. I, I I think they'll be tough games. I really do. I mean, United seem to have uh, you know something of an Indian sign on us this season. Although, of course, they won't have they won't have Rashford, which I I, I think really does severely weaken them. Um, they'll have, and I, they'll I, I, have Odi though, Chidge, I tell you. You what, mate? They'll what, have Odi and though. Well, Igalo. <laughs> yeah. What, what was we'll that see. all about? Are, they, are his stats amazing, Igalo? No, or something? I, I just think it was they literally had no other options, didn't they? He's a 30 year old. He knows what the Premier League is all about. He's coming on cheaper wages, but then when you leave China, I suppose you're always coming for cheaper wages. He's there for six months. Kind of had to do it because it takes the pressure somewhat off Mason Greenwood with Marcus Rashford out for seemingly yeah. the end of the season. Greenwood's a good player, though. Very good player. Very yeah. good player. Sorry, anyway, I, I agree with JK. I think Spurs are, are a concern at the moment. The, but, on the, I mean, they've made some good buys, I think, in the transfer window. But I, I, I'm with you, JK. I think Mourinho's got his eye firmly on, on an FA Cup trophy. And yeah. given the way that they beat... I mean, they were, I don't, I mean, the reality is I don't think Spurs are a very good side. I really, mm. really don't. And, I mean, Southampton had the better of them in that cup match. If it hadn't have been for Son diving in the last couple of oh, minutes... Oh, that was such a dreadful decision by both the referee and VAR. Oh, yeah. my goodness me. What is the matter with referees? I just don't understand what they're looking at. How they can come to these decisions is beyond me. I think they're being incredibly lucky, to be honest, at the moment, Spurs. I have to say, Gigi, you're right. You're right. They're not actually a great team. They're not playing very good football. You look at that FA Cup game earlier in the week against Southampton. It was Southampton who played the more free-flowing style of football. And I'm not saying there is a certain way that you have to play football. But Southampton were far more deserving, I think, of the victory. But like you said, the last 15 minutes, they just took their eye off the ball. Ings gets better and better. Ings is a really terrific player. 
Yeah, indeed he is. And we mentioned the FA Cup as well. Just before we move on, Liverpool in the FA Cup, gents. And Chitty, you said you'd written an article about this and the ticket prices, which have oh, now actually changed. <laughs> well, it, it, it all kicked off, you know. I mean, in a week where there's no football, you think, oh my God, what am I going to write? And uh, and then Chelsea, the gift that keep giving, uh, announced that they'd increased the ticket prices for the FA Cup tie against Liverpool to 40 quid. So that's a 33% increase. So Q meltdown everywhere, everybody throffing at the mouth, including the... Chelsea Supporters Trust. So I wrote an article today for CFC UK absolutely hammering uh, the club for this blatant profiteering. But um, about an hour ago, uh, the news was released um, that they have uh, backtracked significantly, uh, actually, and uh, they have restored the ticket levels to the £30 price, which is, by the way, Matt, uh, they had actually agreed at the beginning of the season that the prices for all the FA Cup and Caribou Cup matches would be 30 quid. Um, but they said, basically, I'll read you out the statement. They said it's in response to concerns raised by supporters through the Chelsea Supporters Trust around the pricing of tickets for our upcoming FA Cup fifth round tie against Liverpool. Uh, we can confirm that we will be returning the prices to the original level of 30 quid for adults and 15 quid for juniors and seniors. So one has to say well done to the club for listening, but a massive well done for the supporters trust who I personally know have been hammering at their door, you know, ever since the news was announced to say, look, this is really out of order and you need to do something about it. And Chidge, what was so ridiculous was the amount of money that they have made was about just a hundred thousand, wasn't it? 120,000. Yeah. You think what all this, 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 uh, hatred for, uh, you know, a, a, a measly profit considering it's, it's Chelsea football club. This didn't make any sense at all. It was absolute profiteering, wasn't it? It was absurd. Profiteering for what reason? You know, so I suppose well, the, uh, the only option was to backtrack. Well, it, I mean, they, they would have. I mean, they will have regained some face by doing that, but they've lost a lot of face by hiking them up in the first place. It's just so stupid and short term. You know, why damage the relationship with the supporters even more? I mean, this comes on the top of some unbelievably crass decision making in the last couple of years. And I have to say, it, it, a lot of this, I think, is down to the chief executive officer, which is Guy Lawrence, who's been tasked to increase profit across the board wherever he can. Uh, but but the, the point being, look, they're a business. They're allowed to make profit. I've got no problem with that. What I have a problem with is the complete lack of understanding of supporters and, 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 and almost a contempt for them. And that's what that decision was. So I have to say fair play to them for backtracking and, and bringing them back down. But they could have avoided all of this by just sticking to what they said they would do. Absolutely. Sometimes you wonder just what is going on behind the scenes. How do they see things completely different from us fans? Gents, it's been thoroughly enjoyable having you on for another week, as always here on the Chelsea Fan Show on Lust Spot. We'll be back next week to look ahead to that game with Manchester United. Chigi, thank you for your time, boss. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure, mate. See you Sunday. And Jonathan Kidd, I think we should uh, we should go out with a little goodbye with your little cheeky boy voice. Well, a little boy, yeah, why not? Bye-bye, everybody. Been fab to be on the show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.